So we got Dan back in the house. What's up? And he brought along Tim Kingsbury from Arcade Fire. Tim, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Well, I could be better because a few days ago we learned about a massive heist of some of the most precious NFTs out there. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I just want to give a message to the owner of the wallet 0x4d0d7s46ezf66bf825418e6b3deF1a46ec3c0b87 or sorry 847 wait what was the 13th number it was um, I just want to check that that's not me I think it was a B or an F me. was that number oh okay What's the message? Well, I just want to let them know. Sure, you could steal bored apes. We know that those people have money. But did you have to steal 36 pudgy penguins, uh. including <laughs> five gold pudgies? Yeah, that's not good. That's just sad. <laughs> you just hate to hear that. You yeah, know? it's heartbreaking. I, I, have a, I have a message for the people who uh, lost their apes, um, you know, and... Are, are sad about it and the people who lost their punk, uh, pudgy penguins and the message is this if you want the monkey nft back then you need to pay me a bounty which is what i deserve one <laughs> b-a-y-c equals 30 e-t-h one m-a-y-c equals six e-t-h you need to pay me 10 percent e-t-h for my work if you have b-a-y-c with me then you need to pay me three if it's a B-A-Y-C and a M-A-Y-C, then that's 3.6. After you send me the reward, I will return the monkey to you. With the caveat that you need to unauthorize the exploit contract, there are two that I know of so far. That's my message. <laughs> it's funny, like, uh, I figured that anyone who's still doing NFTs has been doing it for years now. But in the replies to that thing about how you need to revoke the privileges to NFT traders so yours can't be stolen, there's so many people who don't understand what that means or how to do it. Which, like, if these guys who are obsessed with it still don't understand how to, like, revoke access to contracts and whatever, obviously this was never going to pick up with ordinary people. Like, why would I want to learn all this shit to own a fucking stupid-ass picture of a monkey? <laughs> yeah. Charles, you oh, it drove understand. up the price of Ethereum. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doesn't matter who owns the apes at this point. Where did this news come from, Charles? What's the name of the uh, source on this? Oh, I believe the the guy who broke the story was Dingaling. Oh, Dingaling. Dingaling. Yeah. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I wouldn't expect that. All the like, the guy who uh, quote tweeted Dingaling. There's people replying like, "Is everything you guys do silly?" And the guy replied, like, I don't even notice at this point. Dingling is a fixture. <laughs> Dingling is a fixture. Dingling is a fixture. Man, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just so hard to be sad. I know that somewhere down the line, somebody paid real money for this bullshit, but it's just like, I don't know, dude. Yeah, it's, it's a confusing world. Yeah, more than I'd anyone like to know else, how many people actually him. give the bounty. Because it's worthless. It's essentially worthless. You're selling yeah. it at zero. That's what that's what it being stolen is. And you're going to sell it at zero eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I don't know how Board Ape Fest works. Of Do you need to have proof of ape ownership to attend Board Ape Fest? Or can you just show up, you know? Probably, but you could probably show them a picture on your phone and they would believe you. 
Yeah, because there aren't that many people showing up. True. I think owning yeah. owning NFTs is more about the journey than the destination or than the destination. You know. I was yeah. gonna say that the high highs, the low lows, when your pudgy penguins get uh, get got. You know. Yeah. It's about the journey, but if you remember back to when you started the journey, you'll realize you had a lot more money back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you got to spend money to make money, Charles. But so. are investments really That's about true. making money? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's no, a riches to no. rag story. You guys are all wrong. It's about community. That's mm. true. It's That's having beautiful. people to say GM to on Discord. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, just waking up in the morning and getting a good hearty GM from Dingaling. And that's that's <laughs> worth that's worth it. A GM from Dingaling is a fixture. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I wish I had five gold pudgies though. Yeah. Five gold pudgies and a dingaling? It's making me hungry. That's what I'm up here every day doing, grinding, you know, grinding for my pudgies. <laughs> if I was an NFT guy, I would make an NFT Christmas song. Five golden pudgies. <laughs> People would eat that We up. forgot to rank that song. We kind of forgot about carols. We did the wassailing yeah. one, but we on the last episode, we made a tier list of all the Christmas songs, and it's oh, skewed yeah. contemporary. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. really? We forgot that <laughs> one. I would put that one in shit tier. Yeah. I forget what it's even called. Twelve Days of Christmas. The Is Twelve that what it's Days called? of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's Horrible. a pretty bad song. It's so repetitive. It's lazy. Yeah, it's super lazy. It's like ninety-nine bottles of beer on the wall for Christmas. <laughs> a lot of references no, that's that a, I feel that's like might have always been obscure. Partridge in a yeah. pear tree. Nobody wanted that yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many maids of milking? I don't think so. Like, is I that really relatable? I can't even remember what's in the song, and I must have heard it a million times. Five I don't have cows. What are they milking? Five gold don't say anything calves. immature. <laughs> Ten silver doves? Three French hens? I don't know. Four mystic runes. Four mystic runes. One wand of displacement. <laughs> One Excalibur. <laughs> and a mace. And a mace. <laughs> well, we got one more quick thing to get to here uh, that someone shared with us on Twitter. There's a bunch of mysterious DMX songs that have been popping up in the last few months. Uh, like this one, Halloween from Miami to LA. It's such a clunky <laughs> title. Like, you know, DMX would never even have a title like that. And obviously he wouldn't be doing, he's got a fucking Christmas song. He just dropped a Halloween song. And obviously something's up here. You have to That's go through a, Mexico, I think. Miami to LA? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to Sounds go across like- borders to do that. It sounds like uh, the ghost of DMX is trying to build, you know, a, a competitor to the Monster Mash, which is impossible. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't blame his ghost for trying. But uh, if you listen to these on Spotify and you look at the the credits of it, the trademark, it's owned by a division of Cleopatra Records. And Dan, when I mentioned that to you, you were familiar with their actual heyday. <laughs> yeah, um, Cleopatra Records was famous for nerds like me uh goth nerds because they they put out they reissued they put out contemporary sort of goth music once it started skewing towards industrial so they put out like a skinny puppy side project called download uh they reissued a bunch of british stuff like clan of zymox and um like some pretty embarrassing shit that I liked listening to when I was a teenager. But they also put out most of Hawkwind's catalog, like reissued it, and um, the uh, like 
pretty forward thinking San Francisco band Chrome, who were like four track, weird psychedelic, like extremely dark, fucked up psychedelic music with a heavy sort of science fiction lyrical theme. They put out the Chrome box set. They also got all the wax tracks uh, uh, catalog as well. So it's weird to hear that they're now just doing AI scam shit. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't they do it with those bands? Come on. Yeah, like they have yeah, a more I don't know. like like DMX. Why isn't there new Hawkwind? Oh, there's I mean, there's so <laughs> many Hawkwind live records. You could just shove those into an AI and probably get something pretty interesting. Come yeah, up create a, a, a Hawkwind song called Halloween from Miami to LA. <laughs> they should do it with the Grateful Dead. Halloween from Bristol to Cardiff. There you go. There's the Hawkwind song. Yeah, they could make Grateful Dead live shows that are totally, that take place yeah. on days in between days. Like in Harry yeah. Potter, like nine and three quarters or whatever, you know? Bringing mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead back and then turning them into an AI band like Kiss, that would be so good. <laughs> totally. People would get so pissed off. Oh, yeah. Grateful Dead has played two shows a day for the last 70 years. <laughs> and we can hear there it all aren't now. enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, but so uh, Cleopatra Records, their relationship to DMX from just like snooping online is that they put out a greatest hits compilation in 2011 called Greatest Hits with a Twist. And like looking at the Wikipedia, it didn't chart anywhere in any country for anything. And what's funny about that is there was already a DMX Def Jam best like best of one year earlier that was number 2 on the charts in the US. <laughs> so they they put out this weird greatest hits one year after a very successful greatest hits compilation. And I think they're only tenuous relationship to him is putting out that like flop of a greatest hits album they definitely don't own like his whole catalog but i guess because they've put out a release of his maybe they feel like they have a case here for like putting out ai shit but there's no they would like lose that lawsuit for sure right i don't know if they have the rights to the stems even if it's for some shitty stuff that he did in the last couple years of his life then they probably have the rights to it maybe but but, they're not gonna make money off it like there isn't really an incentive it, I, don't it seems I, mean, like, I don't know what his estate... How many plays does this have? Let's see. It has 90,000. Pretty good. <sighs> Not bad. People like think it's new because money. it gets recommended on Spotify. Yeah. Spotify, like, really isn't ready for this shit. Of, like, Spotify likes to believe that it's, like, a curated community or something, but it's just as much of the Wild West as, like, YouTube. Although, oh, actually, yeah. YouTube, I think, is smarter about figuring that stuff out. Absolutely. Spotify is like uniquely unequipped to deal with uh, this kind of scam coming from outside of the house, so, yeah. to, so to speak. Yeah. You know, they're they know how to do it internally. But uh, yeah, they get I have a feeling that Spotify is like running a skeleton crew, you know, like. Yeah, they did lay off a shitload of people. It seems like DMX probably has like has people that are like. I don't know. I'd be I'd be shocked if they if they did if they could win that lawsuit. That'd be insane. Like if the if the if the AI if they could get away with yeah, that. that I'd, would be yeah. I don't know if a new level like has the resources. Please. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe yeah. I, I genuinely don't know. Like his he had a handful of songs that were super pop. Like his biggest song on Spotify has like nine hundred million plays or six hundred million. So it's like he definitely yeah, still generates some huge. money for the estate. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They, could, yeah. they could fight this if they want. Um it's gonna happen. But what like, do you even get? You just get the royalties from ninety thousand plays on Spotify. Yeah. yeah how much? How much? Is... Do I, that's like three no, hours they, with they a could, lawyer. They could probably bar it just from existing. I would think. Like that, just be like, yeah. it's not. Yeah, you could get them to yeah. take it down. Yeah, exactly. But someone would re-upload it to YouTube. True. Yeah, that's but even then, I bet, I bet they could get damages too yeah. on top of the actual royalties. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not the first time Cleopatra Records has been sued for this. Not this, exactly the same thing, but the children's music record label sued them for uh, putting out songs that they didn't have the rights to. And basically, I think they won. I'm looking at it right now. I just, this is just so weird. Like, it doesn't make any sense. They also have a film division, too, which I think is engaged in similarly, like, shady shit where they're, like, scooping up stuff where the copyright is sort of up in the air, you know? And then, quote, unquote, remastering it. But, like, they do release legitimate stuff, like, like, the Wax Tracks label has all the sort of revolted cock stuff on it or like, uh, you know, Ministry, uh, Ian McKay's industrial park project. Yeah. Like, Framed right. this way, it, it, it reminds me, Dan, of your own experience with the E1 label, the Entertainment yes. One, where Operators was essentially label mates with Peppa Pig because yes. they just had this weird conglomeration of shit they owned. Did you get no, to I, meet her? I, I didn't, sadly. <laughs> oh, shit. She's she seems always, down to she's earth. very busy. She's traveling yeah. a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think they try and isolate the smaller artists from the bigger ones at, at, at E1 Records. That's probably well, I good. believe one day you could open for Peppa Pig if you believe in yourself. I don't know, man. I feel like that ship has sailed, you know? It, <laughs> it's just, I, I'm just happy that I was on the same label, you know? Makes me feel good. Something I can tell my dad about and he'd be proud of. It's a great story. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like whether or not DMX's estate tries to bring a lawsuit over that stuff, it just seems like if it's very inevitable that there are going to be lawsuits like that very soon. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah totally. They've probably been filed already, really. Like whether it's like Drake or someone else, you know? Yeah. The weekend. It's probably someone like that who will like take it to the top. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you would determine that a fake Drake song was made not as a parody, like as actually, I guess if it was uploaded as Drake to Spotify, then you would have a yeah, case. But yeah. there's so much stuff that you can make with Drake's voice and put on YouTube already. And it's usually clear that it's not real. Like you can tell yeah. because he's, he's singing a song from SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, I think it's ultimately right. like mixtape versus Or he's not singing album. about it's a teenager, like, you know? Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's just like how like you can just put out a mixtape with uncleared samples and no one's going to bother you. But when yeah. you put out like a major label album with them, then they're going to sue the shit out of you. You know, it's probably a similar distinction like that that'll emerge. Didn't Drake, was it Drake that got sued recently by Pet Shop Boys for just wholesale lifting the end of uh, the outro to one of the songs in the new album is just wholesale lifted from a Pet Shop Boys song? Yeah, that was weird. Why not just pay for it? I think, I was thinking about that a lot, and I think there is a generation of people who just like maybe haven't heard the original and it just like doesn't occur to them that they would need to pay for it. You know, they're, they're like, I'm writing a song. And if you're Drake, you don't care because someone handles that for you. you and I'm, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure someone in Drake's management team must have flagged it. But anyway, they, I, I bet it was just a yeah. decision not to bother to deal with it. Yeah, they're, yeah, maybe they're just like, "Fuck it, who cares?" It's, yeah, <laughs> definitely on his management team and not on him. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. a fake Drake in Miami. That's true. He goes around and pretends to be Drake. He goes to the club. People take pictures <laughs> with him. That, that, he never did, gets sued. Do you remember when uh, there was a guy in Florida that got charged with per, like he he was like getting drinks at bars? And I think he even got like a free hotel room, but he was just he just told people that he was the bass player from Creed. Yes, <laughs> and he was he like, was charged. 
Yeah, or he got like he got yeah. like called. No, I think he got. I think he got charged for fraud because he was like he was like he got beat up by Creed. Prop that too, hopefully. But yeah, but he was just essentially claiming to be a member of Creed and just getting booze. How many free drinks rooms. could you get out of that? This a lot, probably would. Yeah, this, this was probably like maybe fifteen years ago, so it was yeah, maybe a, a little more. At a certain point in time. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's genius because people know what Scott Stapp looks like, but they don't know the rest of them. That's it. Like you don't know what the base yeah. looks like. If you just claim that, I'll be like, oh yeah, he probably is. You yeah. get like you get like really well combed, kind of longish hair, and you're you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. That's how I get away with free food in New Orleans. I just I'm just like, yeah, I'm in arcade fire. Yeah. <laughs> just it would pretend. be cool to accidentally do that with a band where the bass player is the front man, like Lemmy. Like Rush. Yeah. Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm yeah, the bass like, player from the Beatles. Oh, they probably don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm Getty Lee. Yeah, I'm, yeah. The, I'm the bass player from Rush. <laughs> Why do you talk normal? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why is your voice so normal? I'm Sting. I'm Sting. I'm the bass player from the police. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that happened in the nineties at the peak of the Smashing Pumpkins that happened in Chicago where there was a guy going around pretending to be James Eha. Really? Yeah, I huh. think he was caught too eventually. It's a funny grift because all you're trying to do is like get free drinks and stuff. Like it's the stakes are so low. Yeah. And you also can't stakes. report him if you're a white guy. Because you have to yeah. say, I thought he looked like another Asian guy. And it's yeah. true it's truly a victimless crime. Yeah, I mean Yeah, you're getting like two drinks comped at the bar. Like, yeah. Would it be that much better if the real James was there? Like, I don't know. Yeah. He seems like a pretty quiet guy. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got money from Smashing Pumpkins. He doesn't need drinks comped. Yeah, he's still in the band. Yeah, I guess in the, for the most part, the imposter would probably be more fun to hang out with than the actual person in the band. At least they'd talk to you, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's like with the Paul is dead thing. <laughs> yeah. Like if Paul died in 66, then pretty much all of his output has been fake Paul. All right. of his best love tracks like Hey Jude. Correct. The Abbey Road Suite. That's a good point. The real Paul only made all the shitty songs. All, yeah. all of Wings. Yeah, Rocky Raccoon, uh, Bungalow Bill. Um, let's see. That's why Paul now wants to wants <laughs> to be on the road so much. Doing uh yeah doing interviews. Yeah, <laughs> he never got to tour ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe then we should segue Tim to uh, the main event here. Yeah. Speaking of Creed. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's there. I was looking for the segue. There's the segue. Speaking of Christian rock. Right. Forgot Tim, to mention long before Creed, your yeah. real. Your your secular rock and roll days. Yeah. Take us back to uh why you're familiar with all this stuff. Yeah, so so uh no, when I was a kid, I was I was raised in a, a really kind of evangelical Christian home. And uh and as a as a child, we weren't really allowed to listen to 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 secular music, to music that wasn't Christian music. And in fact, we were and so so like we were introduced to like Christian rock, maybe I think through my older brother, but you know, when I was maybe in grade four or something was when I kind of started to hear like uh, what my brother was listening to. You know, I mean, it's funny. It's like very like what most people talk about when they're like, yeah, my older brother was listening to Led Zeppelin or whatever. And, and I, and I got into it. Whereas for me, it was like, yeah, my older brother was listening to Striper and like, (laughs) and it kind of, you know, kind of, and, and it went, you know, way deeper, but there was also a bit of debate around like, I don't know, like this is pretty edgy. Like, I don't know, is it okay to listen to this? I mean, it's like the, you know, the, the imagery, the, the, the movement, the, the sound. Like, they say is, the H word. 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 They're yeah. using the tritone. And even just their, the, tritone. their outfits, like all of it, just just very kind of scandalous. Yeah, kinda, they look you like know. chicks. It's cool to me that there's edgy Christian music. You know, like can I listen to this Christian music? Yeah, I mean, someone had I mean, to fill that niche. I think I think that where I was growing up too, it was kind of all considered edgy. You know, it was like oh, Christian rock, like the hair's long and the like. You know, like it was all it was all kind of edgy. Yeah, this ain't the yeah. Carol of the Bells right here. I was yeah. I was reading about this and and like this debate really seemed to spring up like I mean there was there was con- first I learned that CCR does not stand for Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> it's it's for Contemporary Christian Rock, which is an abbreviation that I've been reading a lot while I was like looking into some of this stuff. And you know, like in the in the 70s it seemed like the Christian evangelical community wasn't it wasn't as big uh, it was still kind of taking a lot of people in from the hippie movement who had uh, sort of reached their own personal revolutionary limits and needed a way out quick. <laughs> uh, you know, and if and going towards Christianity, I guess, was easier for some people to sort of order reality with instead of going to Eastern philosophy or like uh, more esoteric New Age stuff. So there was that period, but then in the 80s, it seems like there was this huge debate in the Christian community around, or in the evangelical community around whether Christian rock was, and I just learned this today, worldly or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. What is so, it? So I, I found this website, this, uh, it's still, the debate is still going on, right? But this is from this uh, wayoflife.org, like Christian megachurch website, and they describe worldly music as music that sounds like music used for the world for sinful activities um, and defined in John 2.16 as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And they go on to say that uh, music that is char- characterized by these things is blues, jazz, rock, reggae, and other forms of modern dance music. And then... They go on to lay the blame right at the feet of uh, the backbeat. Wait, Dan, what, what organization <laughs> was this? Who's, who said this? It's called wayoflife.org. Oh, okay. All right. It's, a, it's, like a, it's like a blog from a contemporary megachurch. Right. But yeah, they talk about the, the backbeat. And, and the more you read this, the more you can't help but think... There's a little bit of like they are kind of talking about music made by black people, you know. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's always that tension. If you're a white supremacist, you have to throw out so much shit. You have yeah. to throw out the baby but, with the bathwater. The yeah, church that it. I the church that I grew up going to when we were like like apparently, you know, like a hundred years ago, like when when the church was first found, or I guess longer than that, it was in the late eighteen hundreds, but there was no music allowed in the church. There was no dancing, like no instruments, no singing. Nothing. Right. And then and then very slowly they like they they started, you know, doing a little bit of singing and then they added a piano. And then I think like when I was a kid Sinners. A little when I was a little kid. The there problem was a is piano you hear and that organ, music but, and then you agree with them. Totally, yeah. Because it's very yeah. good yeah. music. Get rid the, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to you know, it's just interesting to see these that like yeah, Tim, like you said, there were different um there were different oppositions to Contemporary Christian music. There was 
like the one that I just read, which is kind of coded uh, bunker mentality, white like weird white supremacist millenarian right. Christian right. stuff. And then there and then there was also what I would call Protestant ISIS, which is like kind of. <laughs> You know, kind of the uh, just insane Calvinist approach, like like yeah. you were describing, to like no depictions, no music, no no dancing. Well, anything um, that anything that might be vaguely sensual is like not okay. And like, what it's if very it's about being sensual with Jesus, though? I mean, a lot of the songs are now nowadays. It is, yeah. Like it got that way for sure. Some of it's like, yeah, kind of disturbingly sensual about Jesus. <laughs> yes well i mean being disturbingly sensual about jesus is a really i was thinking about that when i was listening to some of the songs you sent over was is is a really good way to uh kind of slip your message into the um secular secular discourse you know the secular entertainment world right right one of these songs i forget what it is but it's just like i, th- I think it's that crack open the sky there's a song called crack open the sky crack crack the sky Crack the sky and take me home tonight. Exactly. Mastodon yes. must have stolen oh, cool. that from them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a Mastodon but, album. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. right. Also, right, Eddie right, Money yeah. stole that from them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take me home tonight. Eddie Money, one of right. the most famous contemporary Christian uh, musicians. <laughs> is it uh, is it Christian or sinful to have two tickets to paradise? It depends on what the paradise is. <laughs> yeah, whether that's heaven, heaven or uh, Nirvana yeah. or something. No, I think I think if you've like repented and asked the Lord into your heart, then it's totally fine to have two tickets to paradise. Those are those are those are valid <laughs> tickets. Is it worldly if your name is money? Ah, uh, see, that's a good question. I mean, I guess it depends yeah. if ten percent of that money is going to the church or not. That's true. <laughs> good call. My name is Tithing Money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eddie Eddie Money was big into tithing. Mm-hmm. A man with the name Money will never pass through a camel's <laughs> eye or whatever. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. If what if you have two tickets to paradise? Can you trade them for legal tender if you want to stay in the sort of material realm? Like if you want to kind of be if you wanted to be left behind and you had two tickets to paradise, how much do you think you could get for them? Yeah, hmm. Hmm. depends on how soon the show is. I guess is this like day of? You're trying to get rid of us. Yeah. Of what if it ra- says when Jesus comes? Day of rapture. Yeah. yeah. Day of rapture. Yeah. Valid on day of rapture. By then I'll be gone. The, it's actually past the opening act of the rapture. The lion <laughs> with three heads has already appeared. Uh, the tribulations have but, begun. Yeah, the, the tribulations have become <laughs> begun. But you haven't missed the best part yet, so I still think it's a pretty good deal. Which trumpet are we on? <laughs> uh, I feel like two tickets to paradise. I would pay like three ETH for those. And then they'd be stolen from my wallet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All my tickets to paradise gone. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we should listen to a few of these songs here. Tim, is there a place you wanted to start like specifically? Um, well, I, I think the first one I was thinking just cause he's kind of the, he's kind of credited as being the, 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 he, the first record, it was the first Christian rock record is the, the Larry Norman one, which is a, uh, it was a song. The, the song I think I linked to is called, I wish we'd all been ready. Cool, let's check that out now then. This is an incredible album cover, by the way. Is that like him swimming or something? I think he's flying through the air. He's he's oh, cashed okay. <laughs> he's cashed in his tickets to paradise and You can't looks, go up there yet. He looks kinda clammy. 
mean, thus far, it's just like some like 60s folk, you know? No, this those records actually like there's there's moment. It's not so so. Larry Norman was a was in a band called People, which was like a a, a one hit wonder in the '60s. Okay, psych rock band. Um, yeah, no. So so yeah, he was in this one hit wonder band and and. Everyone else from the band, I think, except for one other guy, went on to be Scientologists, and and Larry Norman went on to be a, an evangelical. <laughs> Interesting. And he, uh, and he, um, yeah, he 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 kind of had a really like uh, I don't I don't know. There's a lot of like drama and kind of scandal around him. Like he like there was a movie that came out about him. I think a couple a few years ago. That, that you know that sort of people around him were I don't, I don't know it, 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 he seems like a pretty complicated guy um but yeah like he's he's sort of he's kind of like Frank Black covered one of his songs and I think he's I think he's actually like a pretty like okay. influential character um I got to go I went to see him when I was I don't know in grade 8 or something and it was like I don't know, like, he's, he's a complicated, complicated guy. A lot of the music, a lot of music is, like, kind of good, except just lyrically, it's just so cringy. But it's like... Yeah, the, I was going to say, like, the arrangement is, like, Vashti Bunyan or something, you know? Totally. Yeah, no, and I, But and then the fact, lyrics yeah. are not. And I'm sure it was recorded at, you know, at, like, it might have been recorded at Abbey Road. Like, like, like this, like, it was all, like, you uh-huh. know, like, real players and, like, you know, like, very... It's like, legit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it sounds totally. good. Like if I didn't yeah. speak English, I'd be like, "Oh, this is some good like '60s folk." Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it was recorded at Abbey Road, but I'm just saying it could have been like you know, like I'm sure he he was connected like that. Yeah, like yeah, Pink yeah. Floyd this year. Yeah, he, exactly. Not yeah. that far off instrumentally. Yeah. You know what he said before he died? What? He said, "I feel like a prize in a box of Cracker Jacks with God's hand reaching down to pick me up." Huh. <laughs> That's cool. Wow. That's, a, that's, wow. A, that's quite the thing to say. <laughs> so Jesus is getting you as a prize? Yeah, yeah. it seems kind of Jesus should be happy that you're yeah. dying, yeah. So did Jesus I mean, kind of dig through all the Cracker Jacks to get you, or did he eat the Cracker Jacks first? Am I just that, a That popcorn? says a lot about Jesus. Yeah. You should be a prize in a box of popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's how you get picked by God. I'm a pick-me for God. <laughs> yeah like that you know I, I, like being uh like growing up in the time of like creed and stuff i think of christian music as being more abrasive but that yeah. is like something that i would basically yeah. listen to you well, know and that, that, that was cool. that was one of his ballads he has like he has like more rock stuff but it's very like 60s 70s rock like it's like it's like uh like he is kind of he's kind of john lennon-y sometimes or like maybe like a yeah, like in that world, like. Uh, Why didn't like, they shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> he could have gotten to heaven go. quicker that way. Too. I don't think enough people were paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and there's, there's like a huge, uh, very soft like Christian folk movement in the '60s, like late '60s, where mm-hmm. yeah, this sort of mass burnout that happened in the, in the hippie community and. You know, stuff like Linda Rich, uh, who's who's got like really good, really good folk records or like uh, lesser known bands like uh, what is that? Band? U.S. Apple Corps and like, 
the way and the good news circle and stuff like that. It's just you can kind of hear the brain fry and the and the sort of mel- like burnt out melancholy. Yeah, it's so lame. It doesn't yeah. have the joy of gospel from the same period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Larry Norman thing is is definitely like head and shoulders above those. But um, but yeah, like I was reading about some Christian like music festival in Dallas in the late sixties or maybe like around nineteen seventy, and it was like and it was uh, it was Larry Norman and Johnny Cash and like. But and like uh, Billy Graham was speaking at it, like it was like a there was oh, a weird. whole and there were like a whole bunch of other like probably some of the bands that Dan named like I don't know just like just like a a, a big grab bag of artists you'd never heard of Christian so it was definitely a scene of some kind. Yeah, and 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 it did mix with um, contemporary music too. It's like. They yeah. were good enough and popular enough in their own scene to be able to kind of move between the sort of pinnacle of the psychedelic rock scene. Like, is it the next song, the On the Road to Freedom song that has George Harrison on it where he was involved in some way? Yeah, and in, in that record, I don't know if it was on that song, but yeah. Yeah, George Harrison and okay. Ron, Ron Wood and like, yeah, that, yeah. Um, before, yeah, and, and so this record and like, I think a lot of the records you put out and then and also the next guy... Like they they all they all were putting out records on like I can't remember like on EMI or on like you know it was totally they were totally putting on like just regular major labels at the time too. Yeah, that's crazy. I did not know about that. Well, mm-hmm. let's check this one out on the road to freedom here. I like this one personally. This the song kind of goes. Alvin Lee and Mylon Lefe- Lefevre. Mylon Lef. I think we always pronounce it Mylon Lefevre. Okay. Ah, uh, Lefevre. The, the, it means in fact, the bean. that was. The very first concert I ever went to was Mylon Lefebvre. Nice. Does it really mean the bean? <laughs> Let's say yes. Uh, yes, it Let's does. say yes. Yeah. I think it's definitely Mylon the bean. Yeah, as one former and one current resident of the great state of Quebec, the, uh, yeah. saying it means Mylon the yeah. bean. Bean guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bean spelt a little wrong, but it is bean. But yeah, like, like this, this is, cool this is pretty good. Yeah, this is pretty good. The guitar yeah. is good. The stereo yeah. acoustic guitars are great. The fuzz and guitar so, is great. And so Mylon Mylon Lefebvre started off like he was. I don't I don't know the whole story, but he, but I know that early on he like wrote a song and was performing somewhere, and Elvis came to see him play, and then Elvis came up to him and asked him if he could record that song. And so that was kind of like early in his career, and then he kind of was. It turned out to be like, an Elvis impersonator. Yeah, <laughs> kind <laughs> of. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Oh, the original guy. Yeah, right. I thought you meant Mylon Lefebvre became an Elvis impersonator. I was gonna say sorta. Yeah, honestly, as like the first show that you ever went to, this is cooler than seeing a lot of actual secular artists at the time. Like, well, actually, good, you know? but no, 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 no. He was not performing this when I saw him. It was. It was oh, more. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was the next video. I think we'll get to, or, or one of the next ones. There was a, there's a drop-off after this. It sounds cool, but this came out in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Alvin Lee, I think... I don't actually know Alvin Lee much, but I know he played at, like, Woodstock, and he was, like, kind of a, a famous guitar player. Okay. So this is the... This is the 
This is the cool roots of Christian rock. Oh, he was in 10 years after. Oh, okay. shit. Yeah, it's all kind of downhill from here, right? Like... Mm-hmm. I would say. As a, as a music snob. <laughs> yeah. I think most people would agree with you, sir. <laughs> until, until a little band called MXPX started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Striper, I guess, you know, they upped the game. But I think this was, yeah, this was like before there were many artists, like Christians, who had decided that they were like, oh, we can do this too in our own Christian way. Yeah. Yeah. Some some of them, I feel like, stretch the, uh, I mean, as we get into the metal stuff, mm-hmm. they stretch the definition pretty thin, you know? Of like, like Christian? Of Christian, yeah. Yeah, I was going to talk about that too. Yeah, like like how a lot of the metal stuff is like, it's just the perfect counterpoint to the satanic stuff. Like, it's just like, it's like, of course, there's the Christian stuff and the satanic stuff. And they like, just aesthetically, they work really well together. Yeah, and you know, you know what Varg Vickers would say about that is basically that um, that entire black metal scene in in Scandinavia was totally opposed to satanic metal, or at least a subset of them were, because you know if you were in a it's band Judaic. like yeah, exactly. If you're in a band it's like the Jewish anti god, no, exactly. <laughs> if you're in a band like Deicide, like Deicide is false metal, you know, because right. Deicide is yes. Affirming the existence of the Jewish anti anti God. Wow. Even got a sitar on there. This is more oh, from so the this one's man. called Someone Whispered. Oh yeah, okay. Is this so one you're saying is like more like when you saw him? Actually, no, this is even before I saw him. I, I he might have played this, but I but I but this was this was well before I saw him, probably like 10 years before I saw him. This looks like it was like the 70s. Yeah, late, yeah, you can... late 70s, sort of end of disco. Yeah. You know, not like like if this came on the radio, I'd be like, okay. This is, this is, yeah. this, this is still like, I, I forgot, I actually forgot that I put this one on here. Is it about Jesus? Is the song Christian if it's not about Jesus? Who else are you going to talk about? Methuselah? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, that's what you got to ask Amy <laughs> Grant that question. Because Amy Amy yeah. Grant wrote all those songs that are not I wouldn't say are Christian, but that was that was kind of scandalous at the time. In the yeah. Garden of Eden, that's a Christian band. That's right. true. Iron Butterfly. They said the Garden of Eden. Yeah, Iron yeah. Iron Butterfly. Yeah. I mean, isn't uh, Tom from Slayer? Isn't he a Catholic? Isn't that, Is that his true? Deal? He could be. I think so. I mean, yeah, that would make yeah. total sense. But yeah, like when yeah, when you get to the metal stuff, it's like it's kind of just it's not that different than a lot of metal. Yeah. Tom Araya is Catholic. I'll, I will have more to say about about future songs, but this one I this one I'm this one I don't know that well actually. I put it on more just for this is for cool. uh, context, but it it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll skip ahead to the next one then just to keep yeah, going. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, so this so this sky. was the... I, I went to see him on this tour. That was the first show I ever went to. I remember I remember those digi drums there. 
There's definitely like a late 80s vibe going on here. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, and it kind of reminds me of like Christian Kansas. Ooh, I see a guitar there. Yeah, totally. And just they're all jumping around and they're not high on cocaine. They're high on Jesus. <laughs> it's kind of funny that they just keep doing whatever genre is popular in secular music, you know, to go from sort of like folky stuff and acid rock to disco. To disco yeah, it's this, like Spinal but... Tap. I also feel yeah, like so tacky. A, lot, a lot of this stuff was like five years behind. Right. Like, yeah, like this would have been like 87 or 88. But if this had come out in 81, it would have been like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this but was I, 2004. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this I is th- contemporaneous with like Sonic Youth and the Pixies, basically. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Violator came out this year. This is when Frank Black yeah. was listening to Larry Norman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got his idea for Doolittle. Yep. But this is, this is the thing about like this this era of like Christian like when when this is when this is when stuff started to sound more like like a church worship band trying to be a rock and roll band. But like like they're yeah, good like all all aesthetic sense had kind of like taken a back seat and it was just like we have a message to share. And so yes. then they were just like trying to drill the like I, like at this show, and, and in fact, at pretty much every Christian rock show, even Striper shows, they would like perform, and then they, and then the singer would like preach for like half an hour, and then also invite people to come to the front to accept the Lord into their heart in front of everybody. Wait, wait, how does that, that was, work? Like, is it in the middle of the set that they start preaching, or is it after? Like, how does that? How do you structure yeah, a show like, like this? It would be kind of like you know, like maybe like ten songs in, and then they would do that, and then they'd play like a you know another half a set. Wow, that's interesting. It was like it was like I think it was almost like bo- modeled on like a Billy Graham crusade or something like, huh. and like and, and invariably yeah, too, sense. the singer would have a story about like how they had been like like he had a story like that like like you know they'd been like addicted to drugs and like living in a dark place and like just at the edge of wherever they were and then and then they found like they had an experience and they 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 bottomed out usually like they you know they od'd or something happened and then they like found jesus and then yeah well, that reminds they me were of there one to of take our, them in yeah one of our favorite artists dan have you shown tim john acapinti uh, I have not. I, I am familiar well, from. Li- I've I've listened to the pod and, and heard heard about John. Okay, Kipinti. great. Yeah. yeah, his story is yeah. like he 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 had that happen to him in the late fifties where rock and roll was leading him astray. Yeah. Right, but it was, yeah. it was like chubby 50s, checker. So rock and roll, yeah, it was like chubby checker was right. tempting him. You know, <laughs> little Richard was tempting him. Yeah, he almost <laughs> right. bought a switchblade. Yeah, this is wild. This. uh this music in particular reminds me of like a really dark era in Canadian Canadian pop music in general. <laughs> it's like Max Webster or something. <laughs> yeah, because like not unlike Christian music, Canadian pop music is generally a little bit behind the times as well. Mm-hmm. Like like those the Rush records post Tom Sawyer, you know, right? Not, not the greatest. Yes, they are. Yeah, Dan, how dare you? <laughs> I'll argue that they are. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mid-80s Rush. Mid-80s Rush. <laughs> Red Barchetta? Not about that er- one. How about early 90s Rush? Nah. Roll the Bones? How about Snakes and Arrows Rush? Never got into that. 
Yeah, me neither. Alex, you're walking it back. <laughs> you can't you're talking, you're like, in the 80s. You're talking about one. Well, okay, Tom Sawyer. What what record is that? That's Moving Pictures, right? That's a yeah. great record. That's, that's 81, one. I think. The yeah, one after the one after it also good because it's got subdivisions uh, on it. Grace Under Pressure is good, and Hold Your Fire is good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look. What Hold Your Fire has their two best songs back to back, which oh, are it, Force it, Ten and Time Stand Still. Okay, that's my right. take. Fine, Rush is a bad example because Time Stand Still is fucking great. <laughs> Max Webster, there you go. You know, it took an American <laughs> to show Canadians that their heritage <laughs> is so rich. You know. <laughs> I I love Russia. No, I, I, I feel there, bad. I feel bad. There, there's a no. lot. Of, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of Canadian bands. You guys, we, you guys, should, you guys should do a show on Canadian music, like Canadian '70s and '80s uh, music, or maybe you already We've have done a little of that with Ireland right? before. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Once in a while, I'm sure there's yeah. a lot more we could get into. That yeah, we could turn the clock back a little bit and get into like your, uh, let's say your Kim Mitchells. You know, your uh, like White Lion, your White Lion, your uh, Red Gowan. Rider. Yeah. Gowan. Yeah. Yeah, Tim, if you ever want to do that in the future, we'll definitely be test subjects for being the first Americans <laughs> to ever hear these artists. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I don't apologize in advance for Gowan. <laughs> well, it's funny, what do we it's, want to hear next on this it, playlist? Uh let me let me look at let me remind myself what's there. Um let's uh yeah, we gotta was, listen to Petra. We got. Oh yeah, we do we have to listen to, to listen. Petra. Yeah, we do have to listen to Petra. Yeah, we exactly. don't have to listen to the whole song, but th- this no, is I, like arguably arguably the biggest contemporary. Yeah, or, Petra. Uh, was Petra was massive, and and this this, this 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 video is actually not that in. I I almost regret not putting like a like a album track just because like the product like they are really kind of like you know they kind of going for like the Pink Floyd vibe a little bit or like they're like they're kind of go for like a really epic sort of sound not and not that they not that they are successful at it all the time but that that's like one part of it like they they definitely are a band that had like a lot of like they had a big budget for recording like it, it sounds like yeah there's a lot of production there well, i'm glad like, you're showing us that stuff though because it's like my impression of christian music like when i worked at groupon in the early 2010s i had to write groupons for christian concerts right um and it was interesting to me like that's how i learned about like the christian like they have like an independent like arena circuit, you know, during the last like decade or two where you just play mega churches and you tour yeah. exclusively mega churches outside of like the normal music world. Totally. But it's all these like terrible fucking bands, but it's interesting that they've created their own community like that. But I think you're giving me a, a glimpse into something I never knew about that like feels more sort of contemporary to its own time, I guess. Like, well, and I feel like I think I know, in fact, I'm sure like Petra, for example, there was other bands too that could have toured certain cities like like probably like in the south or whatever and filled arenas like you know like they were like big big acts and that's i guess what's interesting to me is like to be an act i guess from like my perspective in recent decades it's like if you're a good christian artist you don't have to say you're christian like if you're sufjan stevens you can just say i'm making music and it doesn't matter he's christian even though it's very christian you know yeah. Right, but it's right. like if you're the newsboys or whatever, your shit sucks. So like, only Christians want to hear it in a mega church, and you have to like make that your sales pitch as a band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I think that, but I mean, those, that's exactly what they want. It's weird that like they legitimately want that too. <laughs> 
the standards <laughs> yeah. are lower for that audience. There, there yeah. is a whole like, subgenre of like uh, either X or cryptocurrent, like uh, post evangelical Christians in the indie rock world, you know? Like, it was like Pedro the Lion, Sufjan Stevens, Andrew oh, Bird. Yeah. That's a good people, point that like Dan- Danielson family. Pedro the Lion, that's St. Peter. Damien Gerardo. That's right. Damien Gerardo. Yeah. yeah. I have friends who, um, like, if, I have a few friends from, like, Tennessee who moved to Chicago and, like, grew up Christian, and they're not really anymore. But mm-hmm. that that's absolutely, like, their route into normal secular indie rock was through bands like that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I mean, I one thing I'm not tired is, like, this music is <laughs> so, like... Like I really grew up listening to this music and it's like, it really, it did actually have a big influence on the way I hear music, like, which is yeah. funny, but it's like, yeah. Yeah, what, like what was Normal your- Normal music must sound so good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, this is like too big of a question maybe, but what was sort of your path from growing up on this to like secular music to just ending up in like a secular arena band at this point, you know? Uh, whoa, whoa. I don't know if you want to call that band secular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think, I mean, pretty much I hit puberty and then was like listening to the radio in my room in headphones and listening to like Top 40 radio and then like slowly, I kind of went from there to like somebody gave me a guitar and I started like learning guitar. I got Guitar Magazine and then my cousin, I had a cousin who gave me like Master of Puppets and a bunch of, she gave me the Steve Miller band greatest hit. She just gave me a bunch of classic rock records. And that kind of like It's an amazing one two punch, Steve Miller and Master of Puppets. Yeah, yeah. she gave me she gave me she gave me Liner is a great I think it, great song. I think she gave me the Eagles greatest hits as well. Like she just gave me like a, a kind of a grab bag of like it was a, a pretty good thing and and that and that really kind of got my that that shifted my focus. And then once I yeah. got into guitar too, you know, like I started grade nine the month that like Nevermind came out and Pearl, you know, like when all those records, all those grunge records came yeah. out. And so that, that kind of just switched everything for me. Then, then it was over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you totally. feel, did, did you ever feel like you were getting away with something like listening to FM, like secular FM radio in your room on your headphones? Um, a little bit. Like I would tape this. You know, I, I had like one of those, you know, old, old cassette players where you could where you could listen and record. So I'd record like songs. Like I remember recording like Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer and like whatever the other like Boys to Men or like you know all that stuff. And I remember like rhyme. Uh, they were a little later. I think they were more when yeah. I was in high school. But yeah. but like but yeah, like I remember. I don't know. I re- yeah, I just remember like you know it was it was a a weird yeah it was like. It was a little bit forbidden, but not totally. Like I don't know. I was at that point. I think the 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 my family had kind of relaxed a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember hearing Petra for the first time on a Catholic youth uh, exchange or like symposium thing. Like I I went to Seattle and there was like a meeting of these like West Coast Catholic dioceses. It was like a youth thing. And we got billeted with, uh, me and my friend from the church got billeted with a family. And I had brought my tapes. I had like Metallica and stuff. And the guy, the kid that we got billeted with was like, 
He was like, I don't listen to that, but have you guys heard Petra? <laughs> and, that, and that was my exposure to Petra. Amazing. That's awesome. And I was like, this, I, I mean, I said probably was like, oh, cool. But I immediately was like, this music is not very good. <laughs> this <laughs> off-brand ass shit. Yeah. And I, yeah. my taste had kind of drifted from like uh, Pink Floyd inspired stuff or the, to, to like, I like the, I like metal, you know, I was really, really into metal. But my perspective was that Metallica was basically a Christian band because if, if you look at the lyrics of Master of Puppets, they're extremely reactionary. There's totally. nothing, totally. there's like ab- absolutely nothing um, subversive about them. Really, yeah. uh, they're they're kind of more against, well, like the title of the Petra song, Beat the System. I mean, they're against uh, war, uh, drug use. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Fake people. The system of Fake s- friends. S- Satan's system. Clout sharks. And, okay, and there is a song, you know, that is, I, I, oh no, it's on Ride the Lightning. There's a, there's a song about a Lovecraftian extra dimensional uh, alien god, but that, but it's instrumental, so you know. Wait, what, am I? Am I? Wasn't James Hetfield raised uh, Jehovah's Witness? Am I I'm making? That I don't up? know. I, I thought I remember. No I think I remember reading that somewhere. That would make sense. So I don't know if this is a sensible segue or not. You'll have to tell me, Tim. But while we're talking about Metallica, should we listen to Angelica? Yeah, let's do it. That's, I think that's perfect. Yeah, they right. called them the girl Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get into the metal. The metal years. I, There's I, only I, one hero. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember even like I don't know how old. Like whenever this came out, when I was a kid, I remember even being like, "This is a little weird." <laughs> that they were called Angelico, Angelica, yeah. and they're not. It's a, a chick's thrash name. Band. They're <laughs> no, they're it's very a much. A, they're very much a hair metal band, like. Fully. Yeah. Actually, and it turns out they were from on. They were from like Ontario. This yeah, is Canadian. This does not sound like Metallica. Really? Yeah, they're from Ontario. Is from Ontario. Yeah, I just I just learned that last night when I was googling it. That's kind of funky, but it's like yeah. I mean, there's there's worse CanCon than this. I'm not saying it's good though. Just by the standards of CanCon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, these guys are like double handicapped. They're Christian and from Ontario. It's wild. <laughs> they probably like... And they sold- have a girl's name. They probably sold out some churches in Cambridge, Ontario. Oh, are you hosers still listening to the Arkells? You need to check out Angelica, yeah? <laughs> Get chops. Yeah. Direct input guitar. Is that Stereo the rock man? Left and right. It's, it sure sounds like the rock man. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Super clean with a little like chorus. Little, little sparkle. Yeah. Definitely some PV amplifiers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. 
You think God likes this song? God loves this song. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna say hell no. There's no fucking way. God likes not rain. To this shit. God likes rain and blood. Yeah, he definitely would listen to that over this for sure. Yeah, it's like good job, Tom. People spent so many hundreds of years making music about him that by the time this shit came out, he was over it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Can yeah, you like, compete with Bach? Yeah. No, or like Georgian <laughs> polyphonic singing or whatever. You know, this is. I mean, yeah. We, Christian we music all, really had a, a lot of jump time. Yeah. In the Middle Ages, there was no secular music. It was like shitty folk tunes about eating corn. Yeah, yeah. Which, you, yeah. Your, your accompaniment would be an empty barrel that was yeah. tuned to like a note between D and D sharp. Like, <laughs> Microtonal music. Yeah. Yeah. Singing about your favorite potatoes. Jimmy Crack Corn, or a girl, I don't care. Or, or a girl with all her teeth. <laughs> People say that Jimmy Crack Corn and they don't care, but deep down they care. Why is there a song about it? You could tell. Yeah, there'd be no song about it if they didn't care. Yeah, you mad. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. People gotta stop watching other people's corn and how they crack it. Yeah, these corn watchers. (laughs) Corn watchers. Why don't you stack up your own corn supply? That's right. I think that I think this like this kind of hair metal Christian stuff was the one genre of Christian rock at the time that was actually pretty up to date with its contemporaries. Like, like this would have been around the same time that like Poison and Rat were putting out records. So somehow, yeah, somehow, the, somehow the the Christian metal kids were were on were in the in the loop. Yeah, yeah. I I was reading this band started in uh, 1987 88. Oh, in in southern Ontario. So. They're yeah. a little behind. Like, yeah, like okay. just a, three years into, or three or four years into, uh, or I guess a little longer into Mot- Motley Crue, like five or six years into Motley Crue. They're closing the gap, though, you know? Yeah. So that Creed could finally go mainstream. That's exactly. right. <laughs> Another 15 and years later, 10 years later. Just say it's better than Rat. Was, yeah, was, I agree. Was, yeah. Was, um, was Jars of Clay before or after Creed? I think it was before. Uh, Mid to late nineties, yeah, it's like roughly contemporary, but I'm not sure who had like the first album, right? Yeah, what about Collective Soul? They were kind of like pre all that, right? They oh, were when yeah, I was they in were high very school, yeah. Christian, they were like ninety three yeah. or four or something, yeah. That song came on the radio the other day, driving around. Which one? And uh, Heaven Let Your Light Shine Down. That was the VTEC shooter's favorite song. Yeah, oh, God, that's, that's an interesting yeah. tidbit. Yeah, yeah I love telling people that. Yeah, yeah. His roommate yeah. said he would listen to that on a loop in the weeks up to the shooting. Oh my God, fuck! Well, really, that's the kind of story. There's a lot of stories like that of like, you know, people who like listen to a song again and again, and and before they kill themselves, and it's something really corny, like stuff like that, where like the this objection, this like widely objectionable, super cliche, corny ass music has such deeply profound significance to people that like it was a christian band you know? too <laughs> yeah like yeah correct yeah it wasn't satanic music it's truly music is so subjective i listened to the monster mash 25 times in one day and i'm fine so i don't know <laughs> i came up with a a collective soul joke not that long ago do you want to hear it yes ask me ask me if i'm going to go see collective soul tonight are you going to go see Collective Soul tonight? Yeah. 
pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. It works for Rob Thank Zombie, you. too. Pretty good, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and briefly for the guy from Ministry. Yeah, I guess it kind of works for a number of bands. Maybe Pearl Jam a bit, too. Yeah. 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 What do you think, Tim? You want to hear one more here? Which What's the yeah. most essential track we haven't All listened right. to? Oh, we got to listen to Striper. Okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, let's listen to Striper. Sure. Let's do it. There was that other hell there, with the devil. There's that other one too that I don't, I don't. We don't need to listen to it, but we should name him. But there was Joe English, who was like a drummer for the Wings in the '70s, and then he 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 found the Lord, and then and then made a made a very like the Wings of an Angel. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah, and then he he put out a pretty Christian rock record in the '80s. I mean, if any Beatle was going to end up playing with a Christian musician, it was going to be Paul. Absolutely. Or, true. Quote unquote. Or George. Paul. George did it first. Oh, yeah, it's true. George did do it. That's true. And that, yeah. That was barely Christian. Yeah, it's true. I feel like that yeah. album. Yeah. It it's about as like, Christian as all things must pass as Hindu. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't evangelical. But anyway, yeah, here we go. This is a band that I did not know was Christian when I first heard them when I was a kid. <laughs> really? How? How did you not know no. they were Christian? You thought they just hated the devil? <laughs> I don't know. Well, they didn't have You the, thought they hated the devil in the Varg sense? <laughs> yeah, when you, yeah when you, kind of. That he's a I creation mean, of Jewish mythology? <laughs> <laughs> and then, we got to get the, him out of metal. I didn't clock the, these guys as Christian at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought they were singing about the devil, you know, scary, spooky devil stuff. Well, yeah, the devil I mean, sounds like a monster. Uh, the yeah, devil's the original were, monster. Yeah. What the, is it the Motley Crue album, Shout at the Devil? That also sounds kind of Christian because you're shouting yeah, at you the devil, Yeah, you can't tell. Not with I think exactly. they were meant, well, it depends it was on meant to be shouting. like defiant, like flipping off the devil. I remember, yeah. I remember hearing that, that these guys, to do that. I remember hearing yeah, that these guys toured with, these guys toured with Motley Crue in Japan and were like, when they yeah. play, they would throw Bibles out into the audience. <laughs> God, that's cool. In English, which I'm sure was appreciated at a Motley Crue concert. <laughs> I hope they, they got, speak English. They got fucking huge in Japan. This uh, influential Japanese rock critic, like when their record came out, without talking about them being Christian at all, made them super famous in Japan to the point where uh, the guitar player lives there. And according to his Wikipedia page, has made 700 appearances on Japanese television. Wow! Wow! You're talking about you're talking like about yeah, the devil for them. It's Whoa. like who's yeah, that guy striper. they have a festival for? That's the guy crazy. with the red mask guy. Like some kind of oni. It's like a it's like a goblin with a red mask and horns. It's, it's like an oni. I guess it's like yeah. the way we see that guy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> to hell with him. <laughs> to hell with him. We hate him. <laughs> I hate that guy. To hell with the Oni, to, to hell with the Kitsune, to hell with the Kappas, you know? All the <laughs> yeah, Japanese any sort demons. of Japanese trickster god, get it out of here. Yeah. Japanese pop culture in the 90s used Christian imagery just because it looked cool to them, where maybe like Hideaki Anno discovered Christian imagery through Striper, you know? Yeah, that's right. Wow. The maybe angels. Evangelion, maybe it goes back what to a Striper show. if he caught one of those Bibles? Later. Yeah. <laughs> He's exactly. like, I'm going to make... Evangelion. What if it was in a mech? What if it was in a mech? Yeah. This band is interesting because, too, because basically 
they they were they got caught up in that like uh, thing we were talking about at the beginning of the show, where some evangelical mega churches were like, no fucking way, stripers, worldly oh, yeah, music, yeah, yeah. we don't like yeah. it. Yeah, but. I forget whether it was, I think it was Jer- Falwell, maybe. One of the big televangelic- uh, televangelists got behind them, and they thanked him on a lot of their records. Cool. Yeah, no, it was um, um, it was the guy from the 700 Club. Um, uh, what's his name? Pat, uh, Pat Robertson? Robertson. Yeah, it was Pat, Pat Robertson. Robertson. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. So, That's funny. And then, and then 1990 rolled around, and there was a Rolling Stone article where they basically started talking about how they were uh, not— Leaving the church, but stepping away from singing about Christly things. Right. Uh, and they they wanted to make a song of secular, or a record a of record. secular music. I remember and, this. Yeah. And the, all the churches en masse kind of turned on them. Yeah, you know? that was, that was like I remember, a, I remember walking through like Zellers or Kmart or something and like seeing, seeing their, their secular record, like in the stall at the, you know, just at the store and being like, whoa. Yeah, they made yeah. it. They've they've really fallen. They, yeah, yeah. They well, they made really it. <laughs> Although they made I, you it. know, they made a deal I, with the devil it. that they said would, to hell with years prior. I'm curious, but I bet that record didn't sell nearly as well as to hell with the devil. It did not, and yeah. it caused by like then a huge... it was like 1990, wasn't? Yeah, it? that's true too. Yeah. yeah, right on the yeah right on the cusp of uh, yeah. And it caused a huge lineup uh, shakeup within the band. And then, if you look at their if you look at their stuff now, they're fully back on the the Christian thing. So, oh, cool! That's I where the money is. Around. That's where the cash yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You gotta play Joel Osteen's Mega Church. <laughs> Man, that t- that tour have. that tour must have been amazing though. The Motley Crue Striper tour. Like, I just. I really want to know what the backstage vibes were like. Oh man, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, like is that yeah. is that what broke them? You know, like is that what yeah, made right. them stray from <laughs> the light? It was like just being exposed to the. I feel like being exposed to Tommy Lee would make even the most devout Christian like would shell. He's like he, he's like an idiot tempting uh, force. You know. <laughs> Let me tell you about the gummy bear. The lead yeah. single off the Striper album was a cover of Earth, Wind, and Fire, Shining Star. Damn. <laughs> Interesting. And they, they kept the funk in, most of it. Really? It's weird. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's unexpected. I don't know. Tim, you got any closing thoughts here? Um, yeah, this was this was kind of, yeah, like right around then is when I kind of uh, jumped off. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, it was, uh, it's, it's funny. It's, it's really funny to, to come in or just to talk about this because I, I never, uh, it was a source of great shame through most of high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. No, I know, I know that. Now no, it's just funny. No, yeah. I know, now I know that. It's a now journey you went on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was, it was, no, I was, I, I, I was pretty sheltered. Like, you know, like, yeah, like the first time, the first arena show that I ever went to in an actual arena was when Arcade Fire played at one. Like I'd, oh, I'd, been, to, I'd been to like club shows and stuff, but I, that was like, I just wow. didn't grow up in that. I, I wasn't allowed to go to, like I didn't go to Lollapalooza or anything like that, like my friends did. But I, I although yeah, I did yeah, start yeah. In, in like later high school, like, like I went to see Pavement in Toronto and I went to see like a few shows like that just at like clubs, but, but I never, yeah. So, so it was kind of a, a, a funny a funny place to start but uh but it's 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 a pleasure to sit here and, and listen to these songs with you guys 
<laughs> and now you're in a vaguely secular band. A vaguely, yeah, a borderline secular band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever want to talk about CanCon artists we've never heard of, feel free to come back sometime. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, that would be fun. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Thank yeah, you, thanks, guys. Tim. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise, praise be. Oh, man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all.